0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. So we'll be continuing our series tonight, May the Peace Be With You, Uh, started last week by Mr. Ryan Church. We were taught that we have a tendency to think of peace as just an outward sentiment, a feeling of calmness due to being done with midterms, for example. Sometimes we think, oh, peace and quiet. Two, indicate the feeling of tranquility. These are great things, but these examples that we have, uh, that we think of to represent peace, minimize it to just a feeling. Whereas the peace of God The peace that God has for us is more than just a feeling. God's peace is all-encompassing. It's a completeness and wholeness in all aspects of life. In the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. God wants to give us complete peace, not just a feeling, which we'll look at tonight as it relates with loneliness. In 2013, Psychology Today magazine stated that 78% of people will experience the strong feeling of loneliness at some point in their lives. Albert Einstein was a member of that 78%. He once said, it's strange to be known so universally, everyone knows him, it's strange to be known so universally and yet be so lonely. This quote reveals a lot of insight as to how loneliness is defined. Loneliness pays no heed to how many people know our name or how many friends we have or how many people we're surrounded by. Think of the thousands of students who live within one block of each other in a dorm or in the Greek system right here. After having lived in a fraternity myself, I know loneliness exists in that community. I experienced it and I saw it among others as well. Loneliness is the feeling that presents itself when we do not Feel known, sought after, or when we feel misunderstood. And it can happen even in romantic relationships, even if we see friends and family multiple nights a week, and even if our phones are daily notifying us of texts and likes. It's easier to identify loneliness by asking oneself two questions Does anyone know me? Am I being sought after? And answering no to those questions. A year after I graduated from UW, I, I moved to southern Spain to teach English for a year. I was looking at pictures from Spain last night and was reminded of how foreign yet similar their culture was. Young Spanish families would leave their homes together to go out to dinner at night like we would. But they leave their homes at 10 p.m., I would see babies hanging out till 1 a.m. in their strollers as the families chatted up on the side of the street. Waiters typically would have to corral 10 tables together because it always seemed like families would group up with four or five other families to go out to dinner. These things are done together in Spain. People do things in a big community I remember my birthday was coming up and I suggested to my friends that we should go find a place to eat dinner, the four of us, only to be verbally slapped in the face because they're like, no, it has to be bigger than that. We need to invite everyone. This is just a quick picture of, of, I think you can see, oh, you can only see two. There were eight tables. There's three of them. Some Italians and Brazilians. Um, so that's, that was for my birthday. Just a small, a small bit of the people that were there. Um, yeah. So, These two scenes, these two scenes I give to you, are a manifestation of how Spaniards in southern Spain feel about living life. Invite everyone. Do things together. And this was ironic, because as much as I loved my year in Spain with all the people that I was around, it was one of the loneliest years of my life. The Bible is a collection of two parts. The Old Testament, which is comprised of 37 books, and the New Testament, which is 29 books, 66 books in total in the Bible, the very first book of the Old Testament, and in turn of the Bible itself, is Genesis. Tonight, our text comes from Genesis chapter 3. When we're going to read about Adam, we're going to read about Adam and Eve. But before we open up the text, there are a couple things we need to know so that where we're at in Genesis chapter 3 makes more sense. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve were first created and placed in a beautiful garden called the Garden of Eden. The garden was full of trees that had food for Adam and Eve. In the middle of the garden, though, were two unique trees. The tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. God instructed Adam uh, to not eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, saying, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And knowing this, knowing all this, we begin with chapter 3, where Adam and Eve first come across Satan in the form of a serpent. Okay. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Okay, now I want to skip to verse 22 where we read of the immediate implications of Adam and Eve eating fruit. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. banished their own creator god almighty removes them permanently from the garden of eden and upon first glance it characterizes god as pretty harsh he enlisted a guardian angel and a flaming flying sword as security to ensure that they didn't return he removed them from the garden in time though i've actually come to see the goodness in this god didn't push their actions under the rug and resume relationship as if nothing had happened. As if no rule had been broken. God was consistent in his word. If you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die, he said. Now, outside of the garden, in time, Adam, Adam and Eve would, would pass away. God laid the rule out for Adam and Eve, and they broke it. Their punishment, banishment from the garden, was a result of the crime that they committed. In a similar way, Philip Banks, also known as Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, also is consistent with his word. Let's take a look at a clip from the TV show. Man, I'm starving. When do we eat here? We eat here later. You eat here never. It's like you eat here often. For those, of you, for those of you who don't watch that show, Jazz is always getting kicked out of the house. So, Will's friend Jazz was removed from the Banks' house by Uncle Phil, just as Adam and Eve were removed from the garden by God. <laughs> kind of. Each, each of the guests, Adam and Eve and Jazz had done something wrong against the rules within the location that they were staying. Uncle Phil does not make an effort to know Jazz, though, after his expulsion. After being removed from the premises, Jazz's future is of no concern to Uncle Phil. Jazz's well-being or aloneness is not something that Uncle Phil has any desire to mend as Jazz lays out on the porch. What What I want us all to realize tonight is that the Bible, thankfully, tells a different story than this Fresh Prince episode. When God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, He did not intend on leaving them and their descendants to fend for themselves, alone, forever. Even though humanity failed to adhere to His rules, God did not stop caring for us. He didn't forget about us. He didn't stop seeking us, nor did He leave us in our loneliness, uninterested in who we were, or who we are now. The first words of God in Genesis chapter three, what we just read were, where are you? Where are you? Ask the God of the universe to human beings. He knew where they were, but wanted to interact with them. God wants to know you and for you to know him so bad that he came down from heaven. He descended to this disjointed, broken planet and walked among us in the form of a man named Jesus uh, with an intention to restore humanity's relationship with God. And there's no doubt in my mind that a byproduct of restoring humanity's relationship with God is an offering of wholesome peace as an ending to loneliness. Above any advice or love, or time that we can give each other to combat our loneliness, hear loudly and clearly that Jesus sought out not just a decision from you to follow him, but he rather sought out every part of you with his death on the cross. He knows you and wants you to experience the incomprehensible peace that he has for you. And so he asks each one of us Where are you? Close your eyes and think about that for a moment. I'll let you know when you can open them. Where are you? Not geographically, but actually, where are you in life? You can open your eyes. 100% 100% of me believes that regardless of where you think you are in life right now, Jesus seeks you. And all we have to do to respond is say, Jesus, I need you. I need your peace. I want to invite you into my life. Every day of my life, I want you to be a part of. First and foremost, This is what I believe to to be, we need to do to begin eliminating loneliness. The knowledge and belief that the incarnation of Jesus is the ultimate form of relationship that we are all invited into, whether we're Christian or not. And there's another part. There's another part to eliminating loneliness, and that's that we need people. God said in Genesis chapter two, it is not good for man to be alone, and so Eve was created. We need each other. I need you guys. Look at the person next to you and tell them that you need them now. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. Hey, we need each other. And this is good. I'm glad you guys are talking. That's good. Um, Hey, we saw earlier that loneliness is not necessarily eliminated it's not necessarily eliminated by just being around or in communication with other people. At the center of the human soul is this desire to be known, understood, and sought after. Loneliness is eliminated when these desires are met. And I observe that we hope to fulfill these desires through romantic relationships and through, and through friendships. And I want to say up front, I am not against romantic relationships or marriage my, understand me, my understanding tells me they are wonderful things. But, but how, wonderful, how, how wonderful do we create them to be in our minds? I can look back to times where I truly thought, man, if I just had a girlfriend, someone who wanted to pursue me, this loneliness would be gone. I think I woke up every day in college with that thought. And I, I look back and realize how unhealthy that mindset was. <laughs> in, re, in researching for this sermon, I can't tell you how many, how many times I came across articles with people being 10 or 15 or 20 years in marriage, yet still lonelier than ever. We are accustomed to think that romantic relationships will automatically be solutions to our loneliness. Yes, I'm sure. And and I'm positive. I'm positive that there are romantic relationships that are done well, that do prevent loneliness. I'm sure of that. And I want that for all of us that want that. My prayer is that we would not have the mindset that I tricked myself into having when I was in college. That being in one would mean loneliness disappears. There are also many ways in which you try to simulate being known in our friendships. Friendships. In this day and age with digital communication and social media, if we start to feel lonely in even the slightest way, we can easily and quickly communicate with each other to be recognized. I can tweet something funny, uh, have two people favorite it and share it, and, and I feel like I'm known. Someone is thinking of me, I think to myself. It's so easy for us to post a photo on Facebook and within an hour have dozens of people like it. And I think, I think it's important for us to be honest with ourselves, how fulfilled do we feel when dozens of people acknowledge our, acknowledge our posts? I want to be the first to say, oddly enough, that it does make me feel known sometimes. At the end of the day, though, as I get ready for bed and, and reminisce of the 50 people that, that liked my post, I realize that there was absolutely no interaction that I had with those 50 people at any point in the day. I realize, yeah. I was I was I was filled for the moment. I was filled for the moment, but later still find myself found myself being lonely. Guys, I'm not a hater. I use social media and uh, digital communication. I text and use Facebook daily, and I've tweeted over a thousand times. I realize that it all can be used in great ways and in godly ways. I'm not saying posting pictures is sinful in any way. I just want us all to be reminded that likes and receive Snapchats cannot replace what I see as the true ingredients to being known in our relationships, some of which are vulnerability and intentionality. So what do we do? Well, I believe that if we want to reduce loneliness, we have to be known. And being known is done not only by spending time with people, but also by being vulnerable and intentional with them. Who are the people that you trust? Who are the people that have shown interest in wanting to know you. Those are probably the people that we should be vulnerable and intentional with. Yeah, one-on-one hangouts are kind of weird sometimes, especially for us dudes, right? Um, Yeah, but I think there's no better atmosphere. There's no better atmosphere to get to know someone in than a one-on-one situation, in my opinion. Listen and ask questions. Make it clear that you're interested in how another person is doing. When you ask, how are you, mean it. Show them the peace that God showed us. Maybe taking steps to reduce our loneliness are as simple as engaging in and outside of class with classmates or just being around people. This would not be the solution, but a good start if you're someone who does not feel very connected. Honestly, if you're a student, and interested in faith in any way, shape, or form, go to the core group, small group table after the end. Don't take this as an end product placement ploy. Join a core group. They meet once a week. There's a leader, and you talk about life together. It's consistent. Jesus said, when two or three people gather in my name, there am I with them. Um, I, cannot, I honestly cannot think of a, a better action step to be known than to join one. I, I really can't. Aside from Jesus himself, I'd say core groups are the root of all that we do here. The reason that we do any of this on a Tuesday night is to help us all grow in our faith. And as a staff, we know that consistently being in an intentional relationship with other like-minded people is one of the best ways to grow in faith and also to be known. Tonight is the last in uh, to sign up for a core group. So seriously, go to the table. At least ask a question uh, to whoever's behind there if you're interested. In closing... I want to say, here, here's what I see. We, we wake up each day and we put on our target in what we wear, in what we say, in what we post, in what we do, in all those things. Sometimes we're saying, aim for me. Aim for me. Know me. Be interested in me. And some of us are hit. Some of us are hit. We're pursued and sought after by family, friends, and romantic, and, and romantic interests. But this doesn't always bring us true peace. Humans, our close friends and family, can, can and probably will remedy our loneliness at times. But as broken people, we cannot truly rely on them for our peace. Nor can they rely on us. For myself, to put the pressure on another human to ensure that I am always feeling good and never feeling lonely, that's beyond everyone. No one is able to do that. The arrows shot by humans may not hit where we want them to hit. What I hope we walk away knowing tonight is that in God's coming to the earth, In the form of Jesus Christ, God has aimed, fired, and hit your target repeatedly. Over and over, God takes aim at us. Bullseye. 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 And he's just waiting for us to acknowledge. He's just waiting for us to acknowledge it. We are known, sought after focused on in a way absolutely incomparable to any other way. God is just waiting for us to respond to it, to his plea to know us, to say yes to the peace that he offers. I want to finish tonight with some words, a blog post, and these words were written by one of you, a student here tonight, who knows of God's peace. In a difficult season, she wrote, God had not forsaken me and never would. Even when I could not sense or hear him, my God is a faithful God. He keeps his promises and he has promised to remain by my side. He never falters. He never fails. I'm so beloved and known, even when I don't know it. God is forever in your presence, even if you do not sense it. There is peace and stability in this fact and I want to rest in it all my life. When I'm lost, when I feel empty, I can find comfort in the fact that he is and always will be present. That is eternal peace. Thank you. Please join me in prayer. God, you know us. You did not stop seeking us, Lord, after you you kicked us out of the garden. I pray that we would know that, Lord. May we say yes to you. Lord, as we walk out of here, I pray that we know that you go before us, Lord. Give us the confidence to, to walk, Lord, knowing that we are cared for and, and sought after by you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.